Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am one of your hosts, James. Uh, the other host is here with me as well, Nick Cirrus, LH Cigars, uh, my friend and co-host. Nick, how are you today, sir? Doing well. Back on the show. I think I do a podcast every day now, it seems like it. But you know what? I like talking about cigars and smoking them as well. And why the hell not? It does seem like we do one a day. We actually do one a week, which kind of feels oh. like one a day. And mm. uh, yeah, it, it's it's definitely yeah, it's definitely a lot. Uh, we've got a great guest for you coming up here in just a couple minutes as I fuck with this cord that is literally driving me nuts on my headset. I need like a wireless headset that doesn't have a, a, a delay. But regardless, uh, I want to invite you to go to simplystogies.com and check out the great content we have there. There's a brand new uh, lounge review up, Up Down Cigars, Chicago, Illinois, Phil Ledbetter and Company. Uh, go check it out. See what I had to say about it. Historic place, uh, continuing the legacy of Diana, uh, Diana Silvius. Uh, and I think Phil and company have done a great job. So go check out the score there. Simplystogies.com and all the great reviews from all of our uh, writers uh, there uh, as well. Plus, you can uh, check out all the podcasts, all, all the uh, all the great content that, that we put out, myself, Nick, uh, and Tim, the after show in a week. Uh, it will be interesting because uh, the guest we have today is uh, someone who has an illustrious career in the cigar industry. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of cigar business today. Uh, but Zev uh, Kamenetsky, Zev, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's been a long time since I did one of these, you know, you guys in your once a week. Yeah, no, I'm too busy. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah well, right. I, I don't, I don't, bl- I look, I wish <laughs> I was too busy to do one of these most of the time. So real I'm, quick. I'm just I, too lazy. Well, <laughs> there are days where I wish I was too lazy as well. I, I want to go through just a little bit, Zev. Of yep. your bona fides, as they call them, uh, the bona fides. Uh, so this is like just your career snapshot in, indus- in the industry. So 2007, uh, you were with uh, Al Capone Cigarellos, and then Drew Estate 2011 yep. through like 2018. Is that right? Am I missing? Oh, yeah. Camacho. So you missed Mr. Camacho in the middle. Yeah. Yep. Come on. yeah. <laughs> so was that when they were owned by Davinoff? Right. So I was the first employee hired after they had sold. So our nickname for the company at the time was Kusmachidov because we had Kusano, Camacho, and Davidoff. Um, I, I can't even remember who it was who said that. So, yeah, I was working for Al Capone. And, you know, that's a mass market and premium job, traveling around, calling on convenience stores and premium shops. Um, lucky for me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I live in Charlotte. And uh, one of my customers was Craig Cass at Tinderbox in Charlotte, who... I'm sure most people know he's, you know, very tied to the industry. And, you know, I always made my lunchtime and my last stops at premium shops. So that way I could catch my breath from that grind of 25 stores a day. And one day out of nowhere, he just asked me, he's like, you know, I see you more than I see my cigar reps. You ever think about selling real cigars? And of course, my first question was, what's a real cigar? You know, but that's another thing. And then he hooked me up with Robert Wright, who was the uh, national sales director of Camacho at the time. It had just been sold to Davidoff. Uh, and I started my career on premium as the rep for the Carolinas, Georgia, and Tennessee. Wow. So wow. And from, from there, you went to Royal Aguio uh, Cigars, uh, which was uh, also Balmora. Uh, then COVID happened, then Phantom Cigars. And now you're with. Toscano cigars and everybody knows Toscano. I wish everybody in the U S knew Toscano. It's no, it's, it's taken some time, you know, working for Agio, that was a problem. You know, now it's Toscano getting people to know what we are. 
How do people not know Toscano? I mean, I know it's synonymous, at least in America, with uh, like Cheroots and, and and that kind of. But you guys just put out, and I, this is going to sound terrible, and so please don't take it, yeah. don't take offense. But your first pre- real premium hand rolled cigar, our first humidified premium yeah. hand rolled cigar. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. Tell us. So, about, I mean, like, the, the that, truth be told, is, is it US taken me- off? It has in specific retailers. So one of the things, you know, you ask, how do people not know Toscano? One of the things I've learned in the in the years that I've been in the industry, and I, ironically, because we're talking to somebody who's in the same boat in, in somewhat, when, when a brand starts internationally uh, and it doesn't, I find, and if it isn't tied to a Latin or Central American name, immediately the U.S. consumer just turns off. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's one of those battles that you fight. I mean, with Agio, I mean, people kept saying, what are you, a new company? And I had to try to explain to them, we're a 120-something-year-old company. We were number four in the world at the time of, you know, in production. And I'm going through very similar with Toscano. What makes Toscano obviously a little a little more difficult, as you said, is, you know, it's the Chirut style. You know, it's only been in the U.S. market for a couple years, well, I guess about 10 years. It was with Miami Cigar before. They did a good job getting some distribution. And most of our customers are either people who were stationed overseas, spent time in Italy, where we obviously do extremely well, yeah. or people who know them who have been you know, given the opportunity to try it. And you know, we, we kind of call ourselves the candy at the cash wrap to the retailers that really understand us because very few people smoke by or smoke just the Toscano cigar. When they go into their store, they're going to buy whatever it is that they're looking for that day. And the shops that understand our products, because it does not have to be humidified until the new ones, um, they explain to them that this is the perfect thing to throw in your golf bag, in your glove box, um, you know, in your in your rucksack if you're enlisted. And I mean, that Sherman Townhouse before it closed in Manhattan was one of our biggest customers since the day we hit the U.S. market. And they said they told me all the consumers that smoked them were. Yeah, I smoke my cigar for lunch. I throw these in the glove box so I'm stuck in that damn New York City traffic. I have something to smoke. You yeah, know? and that's—I mean—you bring that up, and the the gentleman who wrote the the book, the Ultimate Cigar Book, I think is what it's called. He talks about having Toscano, specifically Toscano, in his glove box to smoke when he can't get up, you know, to a to a to a lounge, and he's stuck in his car, and he needs something, and don't have to humidify them. They're great. It's, you know, not to, you know, make us sound so different, but there's so many things about our product line that should make it interesting to the consumer. Number one, we talked about, you don't have to humidify them. You know, when people smoke them the first time, they are shocked at what they get. These things do not taste like fire cured tobacco. And having been with Drew Estate for so long during the release of the, you know, KFCs and doing the KFC barn smokers, for people who didn't like that product, it, it's an automatic turnoff now with Toscano when they hear that there's fire cured tobacco in there. And then for the consumers that did like it, they're very turned off sometimes because this does not taste like it. It has a very distinct taste. Um, and, you know, you know, in Italy, what they do is they actually cut them right here in the middle. They'll share the little cappuccino in the morning. They'll each kind of share half. Again, from a U.S. consumer standpoint, you can smoke half a scarf, put it down. You don't have to humidify it. And then the fun part is, and I'm starting to get into this into understanding the tobacco, is if you smoke it this way, it smokes completely different than if you cut it and smoke it. Because there you're starting from the small end, it widens to the meat and it comes back. If you cut it in half, you're starting from the meat. 
So it really, I mean, it should give the average consumer multiple different smoking experiences with with a singular cigar. It's getting them to look past that. Right. You know, when I go bang, bang, you know, they say, oh, that's a dry cured cigar. So, you know, it's fun. It's challenging. We had the same thing with Agio. We had the same thing with Drew Estate when I started, and it was acid. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's fun educating people. And I only have one thing, and Nick knows this. I mean, one thing that I say, it's just cigars, man. I mean, if you don't like it, great. I don't take it personally. Every cigar out there has a consumer for it. All I tell people is don't trash anybody's product because you don't know who that consumer sitting next to you, what they enjoy. So, yeah. What I, what I want to ask you, Zev, is we, we've had many conversations for people that don't know Zev or me. Um, we connected a couple years ago through a retailer. Zev became uh, not only a friend very quickly, but he's a great broker. And I wish he had stayed in that game. It was a little interim period for Zev between uh, careers, so to speak, oh. after COVID. <laughs> and, um, you know, I wish he had stayed in. If you had some big, to try to give people an idea about how this industry works, think of it like a mall. You need to have like an anchor shop to really kind of pay your bills. And then you can fill in the rest of the real estate. And Zev had a lot of great lines that he was selling, but he didn't have any of the, you know, the 400 pound gorilla in the, in the room. So it's a difficult game for anybody. And I've still, to this day, I have some, you know, some pretty good brokers. Zev was definitely one of the best, if not my best. Uh, but more importantly, we just clicked and I enjoyed riding with them. And the stories we told were, were just, and that's why I wanted to get him on the show. James hadn't heard of him. And I said, James, we got to get Zev on because he's just one of those guys that has that type. We'll, we'll tell it, shoot from the hip and tell it like it is. Now, I'm, I don't want to give a monologue, but I did want to mention that when you said, you know, Agio and nobody heard of you, it amazes me, the American retailer, because I go through it every day. And when they have when they haven't heard of you, they go, well, you don't exist because I've never heard of you. And, you know, Zev told me this line. I, I got to tell it for you, Zev, because it was so funny. He says, well, you know, pick your top 10 boutiques here. OK, now, Agio is all of that and then some. That's how big we are. And you've never heard of it just because and I use that line to this day, just because you haven't heard of me doesn't mean I don't exist. We do quite well. And Ajo is a big player in the business and, and he, was. and he was whatever, you know? Yeah. But it, they were big, you know, and, and then Zev, you know, cut his teeth and, and spent a lot of time with, with Drew Estates. And now I'm happy that he's, you know, in the industry still, doing something that he enjoys and uh, doesn't have the stress of having to worry about, you know, selling 10 different uh, boutique lines. Right. No, absolutely. And I, and I appreciate that, Nick. And we really did hit it off. You're probably the only person I talk to f as frequently as I do. And it's fun because we talk about the business side and, and sometimes it's frustration. Sometimes it's venting. You know, you mentioned the whole broker thing. I mean, just the quick story on me was after all the years of doing the management side, and then STG had purchased Royal Agio cigars and Ragio, depending on where you are. And our last day of work was April 30th, 2020. I mean, nothing against them. They're, this was their timeline. They purchased it the year before, but that was right when COVID started. So for about 18 months, I, I didn't work. And it's nothing against anybody in the industry. There's just reps weren't traveling. There were no rep jobs. I tried looking back in the beer business, which I had been 100 years ago. And 
I got the you're overqualified, um, you know, line over and over. And so I said, you know, what? let me try the broker thing, because as everybody in this industry on the business side complains is there's very few good brokers. Now that I've been on both sides, I can honestly tell you, number one, it just wasn't for me. I didn't have the drive that you need to be successful, even without the 400 pound gorilla. I think that's the problem. Most brokers start with that one brand that pays them enough that they never even take it seriously. It's free money. And they coast. It's exactly. And then, you know, number two, it would just was, I didn't get the, the gorilla and there was just, I realized it wasn't for me. I actually shut the brokerage down last May and said I was leaving the industry and I'm lucky I have a sugar mama. I mean, she got a promotion. She makes a lot of money now. You know, we've been done well. We've saved money. I mean, we're, you know, middle, middle class. And it was Toscano, uh, the, the U.S. director of sales is Belinda uh, Doyle, who is an old Drew Estate person. She had worked for Zycar. She had her own, own humidification. We've known each other for years. She asked me to stay in the industry and come work for them directly. Um, you know, and then sometimes, you know, similar to meeting Nick, where you just kind of meet somebody and you just kind of get along and you just talk about things. Toscano was kind of the same as a company in a funny way, because at one point, Royal Agio Cigars, we were distributing Avanti. And most people are not familiar with Avanti. In the New York area, it's called the Guinea Stinker. Um, and it's been around in the, it's, it was the last US produced premium cigars until recently. Um, Avanti, Parodi, Denobly, um, you know, they asked me to kind of split my job in between both because at Agio, we had actually been distributing the Avanti products. And six weeks after I started with them, I herniated a disc. Um, You know, I would love to tell you it was a great story, like my hockey equipment back there or something. No, it just turned the wrong way. And for almost six months, well, let's say for a month, I couldn't walk. It was six weeks before the PCA. I mean, anybody who knows me knows I run. I'm all the time. And at the PCA, it would take me an hour just to get from the trade show floor to the elevator. Mm. So I resigned. I told them it's not fair. I just started. Uh, they convinced me to, to stick it out. I started going through therapies. Then I went to Rocky Mouse Cigar Festival and completely re-injured myself again. They had to actually call security in the Charlotte airport, and they had to carry me to my car. Wow. And I, and Toscano made a lot of concessions, wouldn't accept my resignation. They, they did some things to help me along. And, you know, I kept working for them as an inside salesperson. So when I got the clearance to go back to work in January... They changed my role and I do one week a month inside sales. I cover the Carolinas and Georgia and soon to be three more states for Toscano. But everybody has to remember our turn cycles are much slower than, a, than some of the premiums. I also handle ABC in Florida. But they did for me more than they had to. So I, I'm very loyal to them right now. So, you know, that's kind of how I ended up here and... You know, again, Nick and I, you know, just I think I was a broker for basically a year. And, you know, I mean, he knows (laughs) this is what I smoke (laughs) when I smoke. You know, it's, you know, I love his products. I love what he did. I just wish that more people in America would, retailers would understand that number one, a third of the brands that they love aren't even made by those manufacturers. They're marketing companies, which there's nothing wrong with that. I respect that. But then to just automatically, I don't know the name, so obviously you don't have a factory or you're not real. It's a frustration. And, you know, little by little, the walls get broken down. Villiger has been trying it for decades. <laughs> and they, they've released some, some very good products. They do some very good products internationally. 
but to get the U.S. Well, I've never heard of you. Are you made? Are, where are you made? Are you made in 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 you know by Placencia? Are you made by my father? Well, then who makes yours? You know, that's one of the battles that we deal with on the business side. Let's let let's dig into this this brokerage thing uh, because I, I hear. I hear from Nick all the time. There's not good brokers. You just said that the industry is always saying there's not good brokers. Uh, well, wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, there are some there are ones. there are some really good brokers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My issue is, I want them. They don't want they don't me. Want they me. already yeah. have. They already have the top lines out there that are making them a lot of money. Right. So, you know, for them to go to bat for me. Uh, like Zev did, you really have to one believe it, and you have to work. You have to go to your retail the, with the same way I do it every day, and say, "Hey, this is a decent cigar. Give it a shot." But when you have a guy that's making X amount of money doing what he's doing, he doesn't need to do that. So there yeah. are very good brokers out there, but there's a lot of people that want to be brokers and don't want to work. But let's want to work. Let, yeah. let, let me make it clear: you pay the same amount as the other guys. Your commission Absolutely. for what they Absolutely. sell. Right. So it's not a money thing. It's a it's a it's easier to get this in the shop and make money than it is anything the else. Path of least, least resistance. resistance. Correct. That's it. And I also hear from retailers that some brokers are terrible. Not all, obviously, but that some brokers are terrible. And so I don't think that, you know, our audience is mostly consumers, not all, but most. Uh, I don't think they really understand what a broker is, how the broker gets into business, because I know of a gentleman here in the state that I'm in that has his license and he does that specifically and only to get cigars at wholesale. Well, so there you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, those. Yeah. Let's not even yeah. talk about those. That's that's an exception, not the That's rule. not even a real. Right. That's no. yeah. There's that's brokers. Broker. There's wannabe brokers, and there's people that pretend to be wannabe brokers. Yes. So just how like do you? Just like there's media and wannabe media, and people who pretend to be media. <laughs> oh, I think I think I'm in the latter. <laughs> I'm in the latter there. I, I'm not pointing because Nick already knows my opinions on this. So we'll, we'll, well we can get myself. into that later. Let's get yeah. into media right. later because I think that no, goes the, along the, with the all. But how do you thing, get into the brokerage thing? So let me, I'm very, I guess you know, for the first time in my life, I can say I'm uniquely qualified because I've been on both sides. You know, how do you get into brokering is truthfully as easy as it's the easiest thing there is. You just got to find a brand. There's no, there's no licensing. There's no, you know, cause you're, you're taking orders. So you don't have to be licensed by the state. You're sending them in. You, you, I mean, anybody can get into it. It's just a matter of, as Nick said, how hard they want to work to make money because what people forget is. When your consumers see the cigar rep that works directly for the company, like me with Toscano now, come in the store, um, they may realize, they probably realize, you know, our gas is paid, our tolls are paid, parts of our cars are paid, you know, we're paid to travel. It wears on you, but we're, you know, we're being covered. When you're an independent broker, you are independent. So part of that, you're, you're, a, you're a, I mean, if you want me to get, you're a 1099, you know, NEC business. You have zero income. Every hotel, every gas, every car, every meal is out of your pocket. So you have to weigh the you know the options of where do I go. Markets make a big difference. Um, there's a phenomenal broker up in the New England area named Nick Goss, and he but he never has to do a single overnight because based in Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Connecticut, you know uh, Massachusetts, you're barely going overnight. But then you've got where I was doing the Carolinas, Georgia, you know, Tennessee, Virginia. You only got five to seven stores per city. So you're constantly going. And what people don't realize is 
If I have the same brand as Nick, the broker, and we're selling the same volume, but Nick in New England isn't traveling, he's making twice as much as I am. So it is a real business. Now, as far as the retailers, that's a really nuanced conversation because number one, some of the retailers that think brokers are bad are because they feel like they're always pitching something new on them. Well, I don't know why that would be considered bad, but there are those retailers that take that as stop pushing new stuff on me. Brokers get the raw end of the stick. You build the territory to a certain size. Eventually they hire a company hires you directly within. So, or they take, they take, I'm sorry, they take the brand away from you and hire it direct inside. So now your retailer says, you just spent the last three years building this brand with me. And now you want me to buy something else. And the other thing about the, the retailers, and again, think about the travel and the distances. A lot of times what I found as the manufacturing side sales manager, the retailers that complain the most about the brokers are also the retailers that are the most disconnected from any other retailers, mileage-wise. And a lot of times they forget that, you know, just because you do a decent volume you or whatever it is in your mind or reality, for me to drive an extra two and a half hours out of my way one direction to get to one store to turn around and drive, you know, two and a half hours back, that costs me more in gas and everything else than I'm going to make on the sale. Yeah. So, you know, the New England retail uh, brokers, a lot of times they get Buffalo. And there's only several, they're very good retailers, but there's only a couple of good retailers up in the Buffalo market. So between New Hampshire and Buffalo, they're driving for six hours with no customers. It's wasted money. So I think that's where a lot of the, now that I've been on both sides, it's an industry created issue. You know, when I started the brokerage, one of the first things I do, I'm sorry, when I worked over for Agio and I was building the broker program, I reached out to John Demharder, Jeff Grover, uh, you know, people who have been doing this a long time. And I said, tell me what I can do to make you want to sell my brand over somebody else's that you have. What's the most important thing? Every single person, number one is pay me and pay me on time. The manufacturers don't pay and they don't pay on time all the time. Really? I mean, a lot of them learned, Nick watched me do it. A lot of them learned I'm very OCD because I'm a business guy. I'm a numbers guy. So every month I would get my report from a company if I was lucky enough that they even sent me a report Jeez. and I would find, I would find missing orders. And because they're, you know, I mean, remember at the end of the day, we're not using SAP in most companies. We're not high tech. Most of these companies have two people in the, in the office. I'm not saying they're doing it on purpose, but they're doing it. So then you lose your motivation. So it's a, it's an all sides issue. And, you know, I would love to say there's a there's an easy fix, but there never will be. Even if I thought of one tomorrow, because our industry is so stuck, so stuck in their ways about some things, they won't change. Yeah, you know, we give you. Oh, good. No, I, we talked about this a little bit last week um, with with uh, or not last week, the week before with Dr. Rodriguez from GTO Cigars, where he talked about respect and respecting the industry and respecting how they do things. It sounds like, and I, you're not the first person to say this, Zev, but it sounds like things need to change with the manufacturers first. Things need to change. Well, first, yes, with the manufacturers. Now, that that beyond beyond anything else, they have to get their production in line. They have to get their you know their reporting in line. 
it's not just for the brokers, it's for tax reasons for states when they get audited. You know, the, the more, one of the lucky things about my career is I got to spend a lot of time because of where I was and what was going on with a lot of the big name manufacturers. You know, they passed the legislation stuff for the FDA, the Family Youth Prevention Smoking Act. DC was my territory. Marvin from Drew Estate had gotten a house there. I was the driver. I actually, my, my, my one claim to fame in the industry is for people who know who Glenn Loop is, I've seen him in his tidy whiteies. He has he was been on the on show the couch. several times. Okay. He was, you know, he was asleep on the couch while I was upstairs. But because of that, I got to be around a lot of these, you know, names. And, and because I have a strange name, they got to know me. But what I realized was even in the legislation, I mean, I, I have a line that I say that I know if I say this on the air, I'm probably going to get 25 phone calls in the next five days. But with all the legislation issues we're going through right now with FDA and states and this and that, our industry is too stupid to survive. They don't understand. They don't understand. And, and this is at every level. I mean, if you take the legislation stuff, the first thing they do is they say we can't sample. And what's the first thing our industry does? All the reps go out and start making cigars called FDFDA and, you know, and, and I'm going to sample, you know, come get me. You talk to any other CPG industry, because at the end of the day, that's what we are. We are a widget. We are a consumable good. We're no different than bourbon. We're no different than beer. You know, you've got the geeks. You've got the consumers. So we, we, we fight. I mean, we're going through legislation and there's one brand owner. I'm not going to name him because he's not a bad guy, but he is the most anti-Republican of all brand owners. Not saying Republicans are good or bad. <laughs> right. They're, our but Republicans send, are, yeah, they're more like no, our, less Our government. industry sends him to go talk to Marco Rubio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that he's a friend of ours in any way, shape or form, but no. you're going to send a guy who does nothing but trash his party to meet him. It's the same thing at the retail level. You know, you look at a lot of the retailers have been around a long time, and I'm going to use Craig Cass because I have more respect for him than any other retailer, and he taught me the industry. He had very minimal lounges, and as lounges became more popular, he adapted all his retail shops to have lounges. We still have retailers that, you know, don't want people in their store smoking, and there's a business conversation back and forth on that. It's wasted square footage, whatever. We still have ones that like companies are going to SAP and the digital, we email them invoices and they don't have any, they don't check their emails. Even a drunk bar owner, when I sold beer, wants to know where his invoices are. You know, we had a retailer in, I won't name the state, you know, $400,000 in back state taxes. Shit. It's just, it's this, we're stuck in this old way. I mean, Nick, when I said I was doing this on an iPad, you went, ooh, an iPad. But all joking aside, I remember when it was Oliva, I think, first went to iPads for orders, and then Drew Estate went to them, and people were like, oh, what's that? So we have an industry at every level that doesn't want to adapt, and that's the problem with the brokers. And the brokers, they get a free ride. You know, I mean, if I got, you know, I mean, there are brokers that have, you know, Tatuaje, have my father. These are brands that they could never leave their house and they're going to make $70,000 a year because the brands already sell. So why would they sell Nick's cigar? Why would I go in for the rejection? I mean, Nick, you love to sell, but most people don't. So well, when, when you believe in what you have, Zev, it, it keeps me you. going. It keeps me going. And I know in the back of my head that if they don't accept it at the end of the day, it's it's on them because they should have accepted it. And that's, that's the way that's what keeps me going. The whole broker thing. I've said it to James. I said it to anybody that'll listen. The whole system is broken. 
There is not a better yeah. system out there. It needs to be created. Right now, if you start, other than if you want to spend a lot of money having your in-house guys in certain brands, like we had McAuliffe that's spending the dollars to have their inside guys, you know, that's an expensive proposition. I mean, mm-hmm. really expensive. Uh, you know, the Alceptimos, when you have very wealthy owners buying in to a company and being able to put the money, yeah, that's going to get you a lot of people. In my case, there is no shortage of brokers. They called me all the time. And in the beginning, when you start out, you go, hey, you know, I got nobody there. What the hell? I'll give them a shot. Well, I learned very quickly that it's better to have no broker than a shitty broker. Because they can hurt your brand. They can hurt your name, your brand, and everything else. And I've learned the hard way. You know, it's like you make mistakes. And I've made enough of them myself, and I continue to make them. But the key is to learn from what you do. And and you know, right now I, I do have some, some uh, brokers and some good ones and then some eh, ones, you know, but the eh, ones don't hurt me. Maybe they don't push as hard as I want them to, or they not really doing it, but you know what? They're not hurting me. I'll let them be. But the ones that hurt me, no, get out. I'd rather have nobody in that territory. And it's not like I couldn't get brokers. I just, you know, and, and the people, the new guys that come in, if they're listening to and they think, Hey, listen, this guy's willing to care. I, I, if they ask me for my opinion, what I do is I call up other manufacturers and I say, hey, how's this guy? And then usually it's, oh, he's a piece of shit. Forget it. This guy sucks. And they'll tell you what the real thing sometimes, not so real, but, you know, the system is broken. That's the statement that I wanted to make. Yeah. So if the system's broken, consumers, in my opinion, are missing out on a lot of great cigars. Like uh, Nick's, for example, I've said before, and I'll say it again, Nick hates it when I do it. But I think Nick's cigars should be in every shop in America. They're that good. They're re- I really enjoy his core line. I think the Nikos that he just came out with is a, a fantastic cigar made for the American palate, blended for it. And it, it, it hits all those right notes. Uh, and, and so when the consumer's missing out on these things, is it, is it, isn't it up to the B&M owner, to the lounge owner to, to kind of be like, what do you have? Like push the broker and say, what are the new things that you have? Well, all right. So as much as I agree with you, and I think you're, you're correct, you have to understand that a lot of the retailers fall into the same category of coasting mm. as the brokers. And I don't blame them in the least bit. So if you come into my market, which is the, let's just say the Carolinas, I live in Charlotte. We have some very big influential retailers between DC and here, PCA board members, TAA board members, Old school, they've been doing it for a long time. Actually, it's funny, you did a review of up downs there, another good example. You have a shop that is a destination. People are coming to you and people are asking for the brands. Remember, new consumers, not as educated consumers, are asking for the brands that they've heard of, the what we call legacy brands. Right. As a retailer in a business, if you take out the, the tobacco geek, why would I recommend something different to him? He says, he comes in and says, I want that cigar and it's a $32 cigar. What is my incentive? And I'm not, I don't know the answer, but what is their incentive? Because think- as much as we say we want to educate the consumer, and I know you're going to get calls on this one, your consumer doesn't want to be educated. I, I don't, I don't disagree with that statement because uh, I have said uh, numerous times, like consumers as a whole, are just, we're just dumb. We're dumb Americans. We just want to consume, 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 and we'll consume, you know, like everybody else, the path of least resistance. Oh, I smoked this Cohiba red dot. I know Cohiba. I'm going to smoke it. Well, or, you know, or in reverse, I had this one cigar by, since you said Cohiba, by Cohiba. 
I didn't like it. So I don't like anything by Cohiba. Right. Which is probably me, if I'm being honest. But I, I mean, I, I'm just saying. I to be fair, that's probably me because I say that about Gurkha all the time. I think I've smoked like two Gurkhas, and I'm like, well, mm-hmm. all right, you said it. That's the brand. Well, that we're I gonna use have them on next week, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tell Lonnie, tell Lonnie I'm I said hello. I'm gonna no, call. <laughs> Gurkha is one of those brands that actually I said I wasn't gonna name a brand, but you said it that I, is actually the one that irks me the most, and not Gurkha, the consumer. They have such a huge portfolio, how they manage it. Sometimes I don't even know. But somebody will say, I smoke the, I don't know, Gurkha Evil. I didn't like it, so now I don't like any Gurkhas. Well, they only have 179 more for you to try before you say you don't like any Gurkhas. Right. You know, it'd be different. And I'm going to, if you didn't like one of the Toscanos, there's a good chance you're not going to like most of them. Because there is that fire-cured aroma in the background that if that's what you don't like you don't like but i mean gurkha has cigars made in more than one country at more than one factory and more than one wrapper and more than one fa- there's a chance so again this is all interconnected we we're like you said we're, we're americans we're stupid i mean i go when i'm traveling i stop at the same freaking restaurant every day and yet there could be 12 restaurants next to it that i should have tried because convenience quick in out but, I know what you know, I want. I'm going to get it, be done with you know, it, and get out. And, and when I say the consumer doesn't want to be educated, I don't mean that in a rude to them. But I, I mean, if you already have five cigars that you love and you're smoking one cigar a day, that's once a week. What do you need seven? What do you need 10? Now, you might want to try something so you have something you like better, but the consumer doesn't think that way. You know, we come in and we say, hey, I'm Zeb, I'm representing LH and this is the brand. And I mean, Nick and I joke about this. It's the story that sells. You know, sometimes the story is complete nonsense. <laughs> yeah, there's we a lot of that. that. I mean, there's the a lot of, day, of that in the industry. You know, Dave Lafferty, who is my mentor in this industry, he works for Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust now with Steve Saka. He always said, what is this? It's a bunch of dead rolled up leaves. So at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's a simple product that we make more complicated than it has to be. And when I say that people don't, the retail, you know, people don't want to go and they want, don't want to change. With Agio, when we released Balmoral in the U.S. at the second trade show, we came up with a way, because there's trade show deals, we ran this deal that we had two manufacturers, I can't, I won't name who they are, come in our booth and screaming at us. How dare you do this? You're ruining the way deals are done. So is that respect for the industry or is that anti-respect for the industry and i basically said i'm like i'm really sorry but you know we're the first ones to learn to buy shelf space with our deal right nobody else has ever tried this now do it how you want to do it but to come into another manufacturer's booth and point fingers at them because their deal's better than yours well we're giving up our margins we were a big company we could afford to that's what I'm saying about this stuck in the old way. You know, I mean, we we came up with a way to do it that nobody had ever seen before. We had we had manufacturers coming. I mean, retail, I've never seen anybody do this before. And we ate it. We ate it to get our products onto shelves. And everybody yelled at us for it. When I started with Drew Estate, all the other brands made fun of us. Oh, you guys have to give away swag just to sell cigars. Yeah, well, 15 years later, they're the number one selling cigar company on the planet. Yeah. So stay in your old way. Let Drew Estate be the millionaires. That's what I mean by this. Is it just it gets frustrating because we have a product and an industry that is small, that is about relationships, that is about friendships, 
that is about camaraderie. You know, how I got smoking was because about cigars. And all we do is we fight each other. Now we should be working together. So uh, there's well, my rant. People, people always <laughs> talk about how this is such a friendly industry. And partially, I, I agree. There's, a, I have so many great friends in this industry, and to me, that's the best part about going to the show. And I've told Zev this: it's yep. like I miss going to the show because I miss my friends. But on the flip side of the coin, you know, there's a lot of people that throw in daggers as soon as you turn your back, and it's not as friendly. Maybe to the outsider, it's friendly, but not so much on the inside. There's a lot of you know shifting and. No, I like to, cool. my, my little stories and how I sum up everything into a quick sentence. Yeah. When I first moved to, this is how I describe it. When I first moved to the South, I had been in the beer business in New Jersey. And I moved to the South and became a beer guy. And said, people said, what was the difference? I said, in New Jersey, when you screwed up, the bar owner yelled and cursed and screamed and threw stuff at you. And then he said, cool, let's have a beer. In the South, they are the cigar industry. They said, oh, honey, sweetie, it is okay. And then they called your boss. Bless your heart. But you're hard. You know, I mean, no, but truthfully, <laughs> yeah. that's the problem with the industry. And, you know, when I said at the very beginning, I think I made a comment about, you know, not ever. I thought an Amazon truck was coming up. That would have been funny. Um, about ne not ever trashing another brand. That's another thing that we have a big problem in this industry at every level. And now, the consumer, you can trash whatever you want. You know, it's your consumer. It's your palate. You're smoking it. But when you're a manufacturer and you're going in and you're trying to take shelf space to get your product in there. Sell on your merits. Why are you trying? I mean, I, I, one of the brands that I heard people trash the most, ironically, you said, Jim, is, is the Leaf by Ostra. When it first came out and people would, I, I saw a rep say to a retailer, smoking it, snatched it out of his hand and goes, don't smoke this mixed fill crap. Why would you carry his cigar? That's not the way you do it. Because I got to be honest with you, even the people I don't like personally on the manufacturing side, I would never trash them. Because what they do is they had the guts and Nick, you're sitting right here. You put your money into this. You built this. You built the passion. You did the branding. You did the blending. You did all the work. Who am I to trash your art? So all of this is all together is we need to be working together as an industry. You know, when, when we were doing all the FDA stuff, I'll never forget Marvin with that. You know, remember, Drew Estate had the most to lose because of acid. So, yes, they spent the most money. Two manufacturers a year into the CRA decided to say, we'll give you flavored cigars, FDA, if you leave us alone. Jesus. And then they couldn't figure out why Drew Estate stopped supporting it and why the original founder of the CRA left. We're going through it right now as a manufacturer also. One of the definitions of a premium cigar in the way it's being pitched is that it has a binder. Most Toscanos don't. So that automatically eliminates us from that definition of a premium cigar. And yet people are always asking us why we're not taking more part in, you know, the PCA and the legislative fight. Well, wait a second. You made a definition that excludes us. Why would we? Now we are. I give Luciano and Stefano and in Italy and everybody here a lot of credit. We just this last week, no, last week, did a, a thing at the Italian embassy with this with the PCA. Yeah, I saw it. That. that was pretty cool. It's our industry not getting we have to do this together. I always tell people to watch that. What's that movie called? Thank you for not. Thank you for smoking. Yeah. It's the movie where the lobbyists are all sitting together eating at a table. It's like tobacco, red. What is it? Uh, red meat and alcohol. You know, at the end of the day, 
you know, at a state level, retailers won't join the same organization because they don't like each other. Or well, meanwhile, the states are passing taxes and smoking bans. So congratulations. You didn't have to sit in a room with your friend. Now your business is closed. Yep. Manufacturers are throwing each other under the bus and not think, oh, congratulations. They just banned new products. You know, and consumers are trashing other cigars, losing their friends. This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be, come on. What other industry can a guy who, who's, who's a garbage man sit in the same room as the CEO of a bank? And for that hour, they are friends. Yep. 100%. There's nothing else like it. So that's our problem as an industry. So and now I'm going to get fired tomorrow. I hope not. I certainly hope not. It won't be. It won't be tomorrow. It'll be when this comes out. So you got a few more days. Give it a few more days. Give it a few more days. A few more days. Let me ask you this, uh, because you've talked about the CRA, you talked about the PCA. I have my own thoughts on the CRA, and I was once a, uh, a card carrying member of the CRA, and I was, you know, once an ambassador of the CRA. Uh, what are your thoughts on the CRA? My my honest thoughts on the CRA is they're all we have right now. So even with level, the PCA, even with CRA is because both are working together better than they had before to fight the same battle, which is, I guess, one of the few examples of adapting at the yeah. beginning, they were going completely separate ways and the oh, CAA, yeah. which most people would have no idea what the no CAA idea who is. That is right. They'd you be know, like, who? Yeah. You know, they, they're the big one. They go another way. Now you've got the PCA and the, and the uh, CRA working together. I mean, to a point going after the same goals, and they're actually aligning themselves into the CAA's goals. So that's a positive. Um, you know, the consumers are not involved enough. No. But on the flip side, what do the consumers get for being involved? Again, we're talking about the American mindset. Where's my sampler pack? How about saving your lounge? You know, it's not so much that for me as like, where's my free stuff, right? Because that's what most Americans are. Where's my free shit? I know that, that the CRA had this ambassador program, but the ambassador program had no legs. It no. was, it was, Hey, there's this event. Why don't you go to this event and talk about the CRA? Okay, great. Do you have anything that I can take with me to them? Like yep. as far as pamphlets or informational packets? No. Yeah. They, they have, they have improved. I mean, they've gotten better as time has gone. And I think that's part of the problem too. remember. We started this lobbying arm after the first law that really hit us started. Yeah. No, you're supposed to have these organizations in before it happens. So in PCA's defense, which is rare for me to say, they were like at the last second, everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How are you going to save us? Well, wait, wait, we still have to like get our bylaws and we still have to get everything together and we still have to figure out what the best approach is. So, you know, the organizations, no, they're not great. You know, and PCA is another whole conversation because that's also an, an industry group. They're the best we have right now. And if every manufacturer and every retailer supported and went to the state level meetings and, you know, went to the, I'm not even asking for donations. They would probably get more done because they would have consensus on what people want. Right now, they're listening to the voices of the active ones. You know, when some of the active ones are the ones that actually block other retailers from doing business. So, of course, everybody's going to do what's in their best interest. If everybody got involved, the peop the retailers that they think are too powerful would lose their power. Yeah. And it would be, but it wouldn't be bad for them. It would still save the industry as a whole. But the problem is, is that, again, I, I said it, I said it 20 times, nobody wants to work together. It's all egos. It's all, you know, machismo. It's all, I mean, 
right when all the FDA stuff starts, we have everybody coming out with, you know, all right, so I'm going to pick on a company, but it's not directly their fault. So I'm working for Drew Estate. All the FDA stuff starts. And all I keep hearing from people is it's your fault as Drew Estate because you have flavored cigars, you have cigars marketed to kids, and you have cigars this and that. Now, first and foremost, acid is not marketed to kids. No kids buying a $9 Cuba Cuba. No. But, you know, and, and the branding is still premium. But then after they did this to us, then you start getting cigars coming out in Chinese food containers, Chinese finger traps. But that's okay because it's not it's not geared towards kids. It's geared but, towards people who love Chinese food, right? Well, but my point is, is you're 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 everybody's walking this fine line of marketing yep. while we're fighting. Yeah, this is the time for these last five years that everybody should have been like, "Here's my box of cigars. Here's the cigar. That's it." Instead, they're oh yeah, let's 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 do this. I mean. There's there's a there's a brand person who um used to yell at me all the time when I worked at Drew Estate, not me, but because people let their kids wear like the Drew Estate shirts. And then the other day I see him and his company posting pictures of of uh things for babies. Yeah. So again, do what you want. But when you start doing this stuff as, as I mean, I was watching what's the what's the cigar club, the LCA, the Yeah, Brian Dezen and but yeah. again, I don't know him. From Adam, so this is not about him, but I was watching him and Abe go at it. I was yeah. watching Jeff Borschwitz go at it with Skip Martin. Yeah. I was everybody needs to grow up and shut up. That's it. Because every time we do this, somebody's watching, somebody's listening. And two years from now, if you do anything with the government, they're gonna say, Oh, so you don't want to market to kids? Well, here's the Zoom that you did last week. Well, uh, the controversy creates cash. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's we love drama in America. And so I think some of that plays into these guys and it maybe Absolutely. it's not just machismo, but it's uh, this is marketing. This is my opportunity. Yeah, I have a problem with, you know, Borshowitz. I have a problem with Skip. Uh, Skip, I got a problem with Borshowitz. Let's air it out publicly and, and, and create some cash. But I think the bigger problem for me when it comes to uh, the, that kind of marketing that you were talking about is, is, is twofold. The first is you have this stuff and I know it's not marketed towards kids. But when it's in a lounge, it's behind, it's behind a door, right? There is a there there is a, a level of entry to even see it. But when oh, it's in I a agree. grocery store or a gas station in a fresh pack, like kids see it. And guess what? They're not they're not smoking tobacco out of that Cuba Cuba. They'll spend that nine dollars on that Cuba Cuba and fill it with weed. No, they won't. No, you cannot you cannot cut a premium cigar open and put it back together. It won't hold together. Trust okay. me. I've seen everybody try. Okay. And, and and no, truthfully, most people that are smoking that, they're not buying a $9 cigar to cut open. They're no, buying it. That's they're part buying of the reason why Drew Estate was bought by Swisher, because they wanted to take the acid branding to the mass market side. Yeah. Listen, I, I agree with you. And, and what I'm saying is everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want, in a sense, but not while we're in the middle of fighting. Okay, but we're for all, our this survival. Is, but this is a fight that I think we're always going to have now, just because of the the climate, the 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 political climate, mm -hmm. and the social climate that we're in. This is a fight that we're always going to have. But my second mm -hmm. issue is this: is that what's the difference between organizations like the PCA and the CRA trying to self censor manufacturers and say, ah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe don't label that Rocky road. Like maybe don't put Elmo on the fucking band in, in the government saying, don't put fucking Rocky road on that and don't put Elmo okay. on the band. 
you are 100% correct on that. The industry organization's job is not to dictate to the manufacturers. Their job is to take what the manufacturers do and fight for it. So I agree with you 100% on that. They should not, they should never be dictating. I mean, they can give advice, you know, but it sure. should never be public. Right. And and no, I agree with you 100% on that. Because and, isn't you know, that part of the art? I mean, you called it, you, you, you told Nick earlier, you know, you wouldn't mess with the his art of making cigars. Isn't the marketing that goes it's their into art. It's an art. I worked for Drew Estate. I mean, it is pure marketing arts along with cigars. I agree with that. I'm talking about I, more for me as a manufacturer saying, Hold your right. Like, don't make an F the FDA cigar while we're fighting the FDA. I understand you're making cash on it, but you're poking the bear. But the but the organization's <laughs> yeah. job is never to dictate to the manufacturers what to do in any lobbying situation. No, no alcohol lobbying firm comes to Coors Light and says you can't do that. The alcohol lobbying says what Coors Light does has a you know a crazy meeting yelling at each other. I can't believe these idiots just did that, and then they figure out how to spin it and sell it. To the government. So I agree with you 1,000% on that. And remember, one of those organizations is also run by retailers. One of those organizations we're talking about. You want to get real deep into this. My best friend retailers in this industry are PCA board members, and I've told them, wait a second, you want the the retailer down the street to pay money to your organization to help save cigars while you're blocking them from getting certain brands in their retail store? I mean... Again, so I, that's I, this is not about anybody. It's about the somebody needs to literally sit down and t- with everybody and say, it's time to grow up. We've got away with this for a long time. All this stuff without being monitored. When I'm the director of sales and I have a retailer call me and start yelling at me about pricing somewhere else, and I say to him, that's really funny. There's this law called price fixing. You're asking me to price fix. I thought you're a true patriot who loves America and freedom. I can't price fix. Once I sell something to somebody, it is out of my legal power. I cannot tell you how many times I have had owners of, of retail spaces complain to me, like these guys over here are able to sell brand X at 25 to 35% off. And they, they don't do anything about it. I mark it down 15%. And they are on my ass saying, why are you marking it down so much? You see this? Yeah. Bang. I can go to the convenience store and spend $3 on this, or I can order them by the case from Amazon and get them for a dollar ten a can. Welcome to America. Welcome to the way business works. Walmart sells ladies, uh, women's, uh, well, I guess nowadays I shouldn't even assume it's women's, makeup um, below cost. Why? It's called a loss leader. Yeah. Why does your look at your local grocery flyers this week? Coors Light is a dollar cheaper. Next week is a different one, a dollar cheaper. It's called the loss leader. You're trying to get people in. This is the way business works. And we have an industry where first they yell about internet sales. And that's a whole other one. Well, you tell, I can go buy a boat. I can go buy an island on the internet. Why are we supposed to not sell on the internet? And a lot of man, retailers who get mad about the internet stuff don't understand. There's a lot more than they do than just discount cigars. You release a cigar and it doesn't sell, and now you're sitting on 12,000 boxes of it. And that's cash flow lost. It's these big online retailers that come in, and yeah, they, they rip you off, but they clear out your inventory so you get your cash back. They do these things for you. I, I mean, Nick Cigar World in Myrtle Beach has a very big online um, presence for a non-major person. They sell tons of cigars to people who tell them the closest cigar shop is six hours from me. Yeah. 
These things are all part of business. And instead of spending, I, listen, I live in North Carolina. Craig Cass is the king, the god, the most profitable retailer in America. We have two JR stores within 40 minutes of a store. So don't tell me you can't compete. This guy's competing. Drew Estate has a diplomat account in the town where Cigars International is. Obviously, you can compete. But again, we're focusing on the things as an industry that that are don't matter. That don't matter. That's not the right line. We're focusing on the things that we can't change, and are just the way business has evolved. I mean, look at look at what happened after COVID. Twenty five percent of all businesses are not even going back to offices. They're staying remote. That's what happens when industries evolve. Things change. You know, I mean, do you remember the 18-pack cans of beer? Then it was 12-packs, and it was 24-packs, and it was 18 again. Then there were 16-ounce cans. It's evolution of, 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 of industry. I know that we are ba- our, our industry is based on history and tradition and old world, but there's no reason you can't bring it into a modern world and do business like everybody else does. Everything progresses. The world marches on. Things change. You need to adapt or you die. Correct. If listen, if they ban, you know, if they do to us what they do in European countries and, and in Canada by you can't see the cigars and yep. you can't do this, people will still smoke. Absolutely. And they do. And they do. Well, yeah, they cover the bans, no boxes. Yeah. The the prices are like if people had a clue what goes on internationally, you know, what you have to do. And mm-hmm. people are still buying things that we we take for granted. A ten dollar cigar here, they say it's it's a typical premium cigar. Ten dollars over in certain countries like Australia, London, you know, England. Oh yeah, other, you can't buy a you know a, a blunt for ten dollars. You know, so we are spoiled as Americans. You know, with with the branding and everything else that we do. But again, we we need to adapt here as well to continue to flourish even though the product itself where the word respect in the in the way that it's made and what it is and what it represents that's all good but everything around that system yes yes has to change and toscano is the best example of that right now if you think about this this is a 200 plus year old brand in italy obviously we're number one but all over the world we sell tons of toscanellos because they're aromatic and when they came to the U.S. market, they didn't try to do it on their own. They went with Miami Cigars so they could start to try to understand the U.S. market. Once they understood it, they kind of went on their own. And, you know, there's other business reasons. And we're still learning as a company. It's one of the, We only have three employees outside of our warehouse in the U.S. And, you know, that's one of the reasons they brought me on board was for my big mouth. But the truth is, is try some, we're trying different things. You're going to see some stuff come from us you've never our events are no longer sales. That's the big thing now. Consumers go to events and it's buy this, get this free, get a free hat, buy this, get this free. We're back to the old school events. We had a uh, David Blanco show up to an event when I was training and he can be a little gruff. Some people don't like him, but he's, I mean, he's a business guy. And he came over to me while our brand ambassador, Michael Capolini, was doing this event. And it's smoke, sip, smoke. What do you taste? What changed? Sip, smoke, sip. What changed? Blow the smoke into the cup. Do this. Now it's cheap. I don't even drink much. And I heard him do this. And they said it tasted like cherry syrup. I said, how did you just turn a godfather drink into cherry? And I did it. And it worked. It's an experience. Fabian, when I worked with him at Drew Estate, that was his job, was to switch events to being an experience. We're adapting. 
You know, I mean, retailers used to do an event every week and they realized that nobody was buying. So now, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say some are adapting and some, well, that, and some, some are. are always, listen, listen, at the end of the day, we have one product line in this industry that's going to disprove everything I've ever said. And I think you say it's yeah. Padron. Yeah. 100%. They have no reps, no brokers. They don't do events. They run out of product and it doesn't matter. They just keep selling and keep selling. There's always going to be the outliers and sure. you're going to see every five years is the way I look at it. Brands will go away or brands will shrink or brands will sell because they're not maybe every 10 years. They're not willing to adapt. Well, I, I think mean, we're in an interesting time now because I think COVID we had that mini boom that the industry kept talking about and, and touting. And, you know, we brought in, uh, you know, the record number of cigars imported them in every year for the last like three years. That is going to, it's going away. The boom it's is, over now. Yeah, it's the over boom's now. done. So if the boom's yeah. done, like you, the industry has to adapt, excuse me, even more. But I don't, here's the thing. We talked about this I, again, back to the respect thing. And you look at guys like Pete Johnson, Matt Booth, John Huber. When they yeah. came, when they came into the industry, the industry was, dead set against them who are these tattooed fucks who showed up oh, thinking they can fuck it drew, right drew estate long before them but you're right absolutely they and changed now, the industry absolutely they're and so somebody has to step up now and change the industry and you have a lot of knowledge and nick has a lot of knowledge who do you guys think is going to step up and change the industry who do you think can step up and change the industry because like as we've talked about here the industry has to change or it's going to I'll eat let, itself. I'll, I'll, let Nick, I'll let Nick go first on that one. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> no, no. I had to think about that. It, it takes it takes guts. It takes people that are willing to think outside the box. Uh, there's obviously, especially in the U.S., marketing, but there's other things outside of marketing. To go back to Toscano, uh, Toscano when I first had a Toscano in Europe. I went to an event and it was in Belgium and it was a really like high-end dinner. I mean, it was like an expensive dinner that I went to with a bunch of people that uh, the original owner and founder of uh, Cigar Journal magazine was there because he lived there and uh, his name was Helmut. I think he passed. But anyway, it was fascinating. And these people are bringing out these little truths. And I, in my ignorance, was thinking, what is this little shitty cigar? This cherry. And, and, you know, being from the Northeast, New Jersey, nobody heard of Toscano, but everybody knew what a Denobly was. But yep. you go to other parts of the country and the, what Denobly, what's that, a car? You know, so it, it's it's all about, it was very regionalized. But Toscano, for being so different than what I would consider a premium cigar, in taste profile and everything else was king. I mean, these are the top guys and they're talking about their Toscanos like it was the shit. And I'm like, all right, well, let me try this Toscano as well. And and I really was fascinated, you know, the whole thing with cutting it in the middle, the different cigars they had. And I learned to appreciate that cigar. Now, the, the fire cured stuff out of uh, Drew Estates, I personally do not like that taste i can't do it mm -hmm. the smell that comes off it i cannot i cannot smoke it but a toscano i enjoy it because it's different it's not something that i go to all the time but again my favorite line to retailers is you know what you were saying well if you got five cigars ev that you like why change 
Well, I tell people right away is like, you know what? Keep trying something new every now and then because you never know. Your next favorite cigar could be one you never smoked. So I agree, but I think you should always try something different. And the retailer, they don't want to take, you know, we were talking about the path of least resistance for brokers, the path of least resistance for retailers. Yep. If they know, and, and a lot of times a retailer will say to me, why should I work for you? You know, why should I do your job? You know, why should I sell your cigar? You need to sell your cigar. I just want to put it on the shelf and people ask for it. And the majority, and I get it. I'm coming from a retail background myself. You, everybody wants, I, I always talk about, you know, my electronics days and the big brands that everybody knew. They only knew two brands, Sony and Bose. Yeah. It was my job to sell something that was as good or better, you know, for less dollars. And that was the pitch. But, you know, you never could knock off the Sony, but someday you never know, you know, or the Bose that's out there. Somebody will always take over somebody else. And that is through being different. And I don't know who's got to answer your question. I can't think of, you know, it's not just money. It's not just marketing. It's really a little bit of both of those things. But you just need to think outside the box and remember what what we're all there for. This is a product. This is a luxury product. Nobody needs to smoke cigars. A lot of people disagree, uh, me being one of it. I've always said that if somebody said to me, you can never have another alcoholic beverage in your life, I'd be like, okay, you know. But if somebody said, like a doctor says, you can never have another cigar in your life, you just ruined my world. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want, I mean, it, it sounds a little bit crazy, but I don't know if I want to live anymore. Like, because <laughs> I get so much enjoyment out of my cigars, you know, and totally outside of the business, you know, the relaxation, you know, everything else that it does for me. The reason I got into this business, if I didn't have this, oh my God, I'd have to find some other replacement and nothing comes to mind. So we have to respect what we have and we have to try to build it. And also the one thing I, I like I mentioned in previous shows, how I was kind of not anti-Drew Estates, but I didn't see them on the same level because I mm -hmm. said, oh, you know, this acid and that's all they're doing is making money. But you know what? They brought a lot of people into this industry that grew up, Correct. that started with those flavored cigars. And, you know, wouldn't be the way I would suggest people get into the industry. But hey, if it works, it gets people in and eventually they graduate and they move on and it grows the industry because- you know, it is a very small, the reason the FDA can screw with us and everybody else is because we're so, we're like a pimple on the ass of like, we're, we, we don't matter. We're so small. You're right. You know, absolutely. So that's why they can mess with us and do whatever they want because we're too tiny to even care about, but we need to yeah. come together as an industry and not just phony together and try to really ban and stay, you know, stay the course. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I agree. Before you, I, I let you answer the questions. That is, is I want to, I want to say that you know we talked about earlier what can retailers do. What, what is their big problem? And I think you know seeing the passion that that Nick has for the Leaf and the passion that you have for the industry and for the Leaf is that if retailers had that passion, they would want to teach, they would want to educate the consumer, they would want to educate their employees instead of just taking the path of least resistance. Like oh. You like this X stick, you're going to love this. Well, I've never heard of that brand, but let me tell you about them. We have them. We do have them. In, and in small doses. Correct. And then that's, but that's growing because that wasn't like that before. It, it, it's growing. We get more and more like that. I mean, there, there's a, there's a retailer out in um, uh, Spokane, Washington called Cigar Train. Brian, the owner 
If you ever follow his Facebook, he is constantly re-promoting, re-pushing, reposting even brands he doesn't carry to get people the education and to get to know what's going on. And even in Charlotte, we've got Tailored Smoke, uh, Joe yeah. Schmo. I'm not going to say what his real name is. Joe Schmo, he's constantly just posting smoking cigars, brands they don't carry because these are retailers that want to educate their consumers. There's always going to be a place for, for, for both. Where they get screwed sometimes is when you take that chance as a retailer to pick up a boutique brand or something that's hot, you either get stuck with excess inventory when it's not hot anymore. Or as Nick said, you know, they say, why should I work for you? Or you end up where you're not doing that much volume with any single manufacturer. So now the rep has less reason, not even the broker, to come see you. So you're almost punishing yourself by being that guy. Again, back to having to change everything. I I don't know what the answer. I don't know how to change. I can just point the problems out. I don't know how to fix it. You know, I mean, uh, at the end of the both. day, at the end of the day, it's a business on all levels for the retailer, for the manufacturer, for the reps. You know, they're all there to make money. My whole thing was, look, if I can make a living doing something that I enjoy, then you don't have to work a day in your life. And that's kind of how Correct. I've led my whole life doing that. And thankfully, I've been somewhat successful where I do what I love to do. And sometimes you have not so great days, you know, where you, you, you wonder why you're doing it. Uh, but if you look at the big picture, I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, you know, as, no. as, as, as a roller coaster of a ride that this has been for me and will continue to be, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm still excited about this industry and I, and I love this industry and hopefully I'll continue to grow in whatever way that I'm going to do. And everybody else that wants to be in this business can find a way to carve out their own niche as well. Yeah. And that was me. I mean, 15 years of doing this and all my complaining, I'm never going to not do it. Um, and now you said that, you know, this is mostly a consumer, you know, most of your viewers are consumers. Then let me, let me, let me give them some pieces of advice on how yes. they can help the industry. Absolutely. Number one, stop bringing your own cigars to the cigar lounge. <laughs> Would you go to the steak restaurant and bring a steak? Do you go to a bar and bring your own beer? You have to remember, no matter how much you enjoy it, that the person who shop or lounge you're at is a business. So that lounge that you love is lost dollars per square foot. So support him. You know, when you're traveling, again, we're the same consumer wouldn't do that to a bar. Stop doing that for one thing. Just recognize that it's a business you know you know if you're gonna buy online don't brag about it to your brick and mortar retailer because he can't compete it just upsets him remember that as much as they have passion for it including the manufacturers you know as much as they have a passion for it it is also as nick said it is a business all around treat it like every other retail business that you go into treat your people with respect I mean, when you have a cigar that doesn't smoke well or cracks, that goes back to my, it's just cigars, man. Relax. We'll replace it. It's not insulin. Nobody's <laughs> going to die. You know, just enjoy the parts of it. But know that if you don't support your retailers, they're going to go out of business. And then where are you going to go smoke? Recognize that they have to make money too. Don't nickel and dime them to death. Remember, we have price fixing going on in this industry. They're charging what they're supposed to. Um, just, you know, if you want your lounges and your shops to continue, support them and treat them like a business. That's it. it. It really, you guys have the easiest job in the world. 
you know, it'll help. It'll help more than anything <laughs> the manufacturers can change. Another thing, one less thing. Another thing for consumers, giving advice to consumers. I speak to a lot of consumers. I, I make myself very accessible. Anybody can reach out to me. And I love talking to anybody in cigars. A lot of people, I'm amazed how a lot of people, I go, well, where's your local shop? Where do you go? And they go, oh, I don't go to shops. I just smoke in my backyard or on my deck. And I go on to try to explain to them, they are really missing a major part of yes. the enjoyment of a cigar. Yes, I like to have a cigar in solitude every now and then and do reflection and, and relax. But to me, the best part of this, we talked about, I call it the great equalizer, where you can go into a lounge and meet people from all different walks of life and enjoy a cigar with them. And that is the best part of this industry for me. Manufacturers can all sit at the same table and put everything else aside and just enjoy each other's company and histories and families talk and everything and everything else about it. But if you just do it in your backyard, so you know what? Venture out, go into your local brick and mortar yep. so they can stay in business. You know, spend a couple dollars more than what you would have gotten from your online guy. But you know, you're you're buying so much more. The value you're getting at a purchasing yes. a cigar at retail is so much more than the dollars and cents that you think you're spending. Oh, absolutely. And once you realize that, you're gonna do it more and more. So please, consumers. Right, I know consumers. you love cigars. Go ahead. Everything we just talked about for this last wasted hour, Nick just said the most important thing of all. It is the truth. You know, one of the questions you kind of started at the beginning, but I babble a lot is like, how did I even get into this? And so how I got into this was through Al Capone, but how I got smoking cigars was hilarious. I started doing this. I didn't even smoke cigars. And it's a story that I always tell, and it's the truth. I went to a lounge with a family member. <laughs> Didn't know what to expect. And, you know, the, the, there's everybody's just sitting around, not an event, just sitting around talking. And I mean, I move fast, but I'm a political retard junkie. And that's what I follow, like people follow sports. And they're all sitting around and they're talking about banking and finance and whatever, whatever. And I finally got the nerve up because I was a little nervous and I said something. And there was a guy sitting there that if I said describe a banker, you would describe him. Probably weighed 85 pounds soaking wet, curly hair, but balding in the middle, had a bow tie and suspenders on, very soft spoken. And he looked, I mean, he looked at me, he says, you're wrong, kid. But if you're right, I got to rethink something. Now, I'm at that point, 26 years old. I'm working for a Red Bull distributor. I mean, I'm in there sweating, you know, and oh, he leaves. And this whole place went silent and was looking at me like I just walked into a 1940s KKK bar in the South and I'm black, you know. And I'm like, what did I do? They're like, what did you do? I'm like, what did I do? They're like, you know who that was? And I'm like, no. And they're like, that's the CFO of, and I won't say the bank. That's the CFO of a bank. Where else in the world could a kid making $26,000 a year at 26 years old, sweating like a pig, knows nothing about tobacco, have a person at that level, at that stature, not just listen to me, listen to me yeah. and take me serious. What Nick said is right. You are missing out on the best part of the cigars. It is the camaraderie. It is the, the the meeting people you would never meet. I mean, if I left this industry tomorrow, I have two really good friends around the Spokane, Washington area now. Two and a half. Booth sometimes is, sometimes isn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I was his roommate at his first trade show, so we go back a long time. But that's my point is you're, Nick's right. Everything else we talk about, none of it matters. Get out there. Meet these people. I mean, you see these Facebook cigar groups posting when somebody gets sick. It's all these people 
chipping in to help them. When somebody has a barbecue, they're going through a divorce. These become your father. Nick, who the hell are you? We're both from New Jersey. I never would have known you. But because of this industry, we got to know each other. We probably talk every two weeks. You're missing. Nick's right. Forget everything else I said. Nothing I said matters. That's the most important thing. Well. Hey, Nick, well, just dismiss this whole podcast. Yeah. I'm just going to edit everything out, but Nick, what he said right there, yeah. it's a, oh. nah, a nah, five nah. minute podcast. If, if anybody this, who watches this knows me, knows that I'm actually being good right now, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I think I think you, you've made some salient points throughout this. Uh, I still want to know who do you think yeah. can change this industry? Right. Who can? I don't know who can. Multiple different companies for different reasons. Listen, SDG can change a lot of the business sides of it just by what they're doing. They're becoming a business. They're learning, they're routing in a good way. I think a brand that is starting to do it that could go further, and I feel like such a bad person because I just forgot his name, but Aganorsa. Um, Terrence, Terrence Riley. Terrence Riley. All right. You're talking about a brand that is prior to, what, five years ago, really? Most yeah. consumers had no idea who they were, even though they made or produced or gave the tobacco for most of the cigars they love. Yep. He has turned it into, he's added the marketing to it without going over the top. Their branding is still very classic. It's still about the art form of what they do. He's great with the consumer, so he's getting the consumer interaction. His social media is good. I think at the rate that that where they're going, because of who they are, um, another company that could probably do it would be obviously my father, again, based on a lot of the things that they're involved in, Placencia. They're, I think, where Aganorsa was five years ago. Yeah. They're just starting to get recognized for by the average consumer for who they are, and now their brands are starting to take off. Um, you even have El Artista. They're five years before that, meaning that they're just starting to get out there. It's, it is the brands with the history that have the chance to remake the way the industry goes. And it doesn't mean that Fuente can't do it, you know, J.C. Newman, because they do some great things, or Altidus, or J but I really think to take that history would help brands like Nick's too, because when they can, you know, five years from now, when they're, they're one of the top five selling brands of their own, not everything they make, Nick and all these other boutiques can go in and say, you mean you've never heard of me? Oh, just like you didn't hear of Aganorsa five years ago. But now that you know who they are, look where they are. And they've been doing this longer than most of the brands you like. I think Terrence really is the one. And I don't, I've never met him. I'm going sheerly on just what I'm watching from the outside and from an outsider for 18 months, not working in the industry. I think he is not only changing his brand, he is going to change the industry if he continues on this way. That's my answer. Fun yeah, fact about, yeah. Fun fact about Terrence is he's the reason I simply Stokies is around and I'll tell that story another time. Hopefully when we get Terrence sure. on, but let, let me ask you this. Cause I know we're running short on time. I, I, let me ask you this, Dev. Now, as the Amazon truck yeah. does show up. Yeah. That's amazing. Let, yeah. let, let me ask you this real quick because you, you touched on media a little bit uh, at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. What are your what, what are your what are your thoughts on cigar media uh, as a as a whole? The most destructive thing that's happened to this industry in the last fifteen years. But why? Why? It has to do with the misconception that it's certain media sites in particular. The misconception number one that their ratings matter. At the end of the day, everything is about personal taste. And it has started to dictate sales, the arrogance of it, the fact that the industry as a whole, see, I'm not actually blaming the actual media. It's the way that they're being reacted to. The fact that the Perceived. trade show says, let's bring the media in 
And then, hey, look, I have a blog. One guy commented on my thing now just to get free cigars. Um, but I think the real problem is that the it's the manufacturers themselves. And what I mean by that is, all right, so when we um, released Underground Shady at the trade show, it was the largest product release in Drew Estate's history at the time. Now, a lot has to take into account it was already a growing company, so on. One of the people in the marketing department said, if it wasn't for us doing this article on Half Wheel and on Coop and on these medias, you as retail, you would not have been able to sell as many of your retailers as possible. And my answer was, go F yourself. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I don't know one single freaking retailer that watches the live broadcast the week before the trade show. It was the relationships with you and the company and the retail. So my point is, is the problem with the media is that we're giving, we as a manufacturer are giving them too much power. They are necessary. A lot of people learn from the products, but they're, they're, you know, let's take outside the certain ones their egos get real big. And I'm looking at Nick winking because he knows what I'm talking about. Um, but the reality <laughs> is, is, you know, at, at the end of the day, these people are um, necessary because we are evolving as an industry. This is how people get their information. This is how people find out about brands that they can't find like Nick's. This is how they find out about events happening, going on and all that. The, the problem is we need a, a clear separation. And what I mean by that is let's take the PCA trade show, IPCPR, RTDA, whatever you want to call it. The last day should be media day. Get you guys out of the trade show floor. Let me explain why. Oh, We're there I to agree. make money. I agree. And I am so sick of when I was working for Drew Estate. I have a retailer that's never met Jonathan Drew and I've been a customer for 25 years. And he wants to meet him, but he can't because there's a line of people with video cameras. Number two. Get the consumer out of the trade show. It's a business yeah. trade show. And yeah. how do they find out about it? They find out about it through media. We have to have a clear delineation. It doesn't mean that the media people aren't involved. But it's like, you know, I mean, the president, you know, who's the president? They have the White House. They have the press room. They have the places where they go to get their information, private interviews. Simple solution for PCA, that last half day where we're all sitting there picking our noses because everybody's gone home or is still hung over. Oh, That's absolutely. when the media comes around. We can send away half our staff, save ourselves one extra day of those $250 to $400 night hotels. The media is necessary when it understands what it is. Yes. And when the manufacturers understand the real impact on sales. Yeah. Which I don't That's think it. It, I don't think we impact sales as much as some in this uh, media industry think we do. Uh, and, and our reviews. And we do. <clears throat> excuse me. Jesus. We do reviews here, but we don't, we never take free cigars to do reviews. Uh, we're always up front. Like this is an experience. It's all subjective. Like this is just our palate. If we like it. We want you to try it. If we don't like it, go try it for yourself. See what you Correct. think. Right. Well, then let me ask you a question. Since you do reviews with ratings, why is every cigar rated between 85 and hundred? Oh, ours aren't. Okay, good. Because it's one, that's one, one through 10. That, well, okay. But the, for the people who do the hundred point scale, how come there's never a 30? You're telling me that every cigar is eight, eight to ten? Because it's not real. No, you see what I'm no. saying? Because they don't they don't want to insult the company, whatever the reason is, then you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I agree 100 percent I've given two uh two in the fives, and I think one or two in the sixes, and maybe one in the sevens. Like we're pretty hard on them, right? Because right. because we're, we're we're we all do this, we all have a passion for it. None of us <clears throat> get paid doing this. Uh, and it's just, it's a passion project. And, you know who the best media guy was there and he doesn't do it anymore. In my opinion, his name was Dave is, is David Jones. He was called Tiki bar online. I don't know how he was part of the Chattanooga tweet up. 
He did. He would give scores, but every review, if you read it, said, I found this cigar to be uh, creamy and spicy. If that's something that you like, this is a cigar I think you should try. Or this cigar was bitter. If that's something you don't like, I wouldn't recommend the cigar. See, what he was doing was doing what we said the retailers should do by recommending to the consumer. That's what he's doing. He never said anything bad about any cigar. Well, and I think when we do it, when we when we give a cigar a subpar score, mm-hmm. we're more hesitant to do it on the media side, at least for me and my guys, is you know, the re- the manufacturers think that we impact their sales and we know we don't. I mean, the, our website is you, you uh, know we, you don't. Right. Not all I, of them I, do. Right. Yeah. We we do a hundred thousand hits a month. And we're like, no one no one gives two shits. They're gonna read it and they're gonna go, that guy's full of shit. I really like that cigar. Or they're going to go, I have no desire to try that cigar, right? Or that's a great cigar, I agree, right? But they're not going to, they're not going to, uh, you know, vote with their wallet. That's just, that's not what consumers Correct. do. Because some are brand loyal, some are uh, personality loyal or, or whatever. So I agree with you. But as far as the PCA goes, I have said forever, I don't want to do interviews on the PCA trade trade show floor while business is being conducted because it takes away from business. And the PCA started to let us in an hour early, which was great. But now they're letting retailers in an hour early yeah. if they do well, this. It's not early. Sli- no, it's yeah. not early at all. You know, it's like, you know, we, we, we got in on day zero on the trade show floor uh, in 2021. And in 2022, they wouldn't let us in on day zero. And I'm like, I have interviews set up and they're like, Sorry, it's a safety issue. And I'm like, what fucking safety issue? They're like, oh, well, things are getting put together in there. I'm like, this wasn't a fucking issue last year. So now you're forcing me to do my content, you know, because we have advertisers. We have, you know, we still have bills to pay. This is an expensive passion project. And we don't get a lot of support from from our listeners and from our the people who click through. So we have to do that in order to, to, to continue to do what we do. You're forcing me to go in and and get content during a time where I honestly feel like I'm bothering these guys because they could be talking to a customer. Now, I do my best because I'm friends with a lot of retailers to send retailers to the booze. Like, hey, go go see this guy. I just got done talking to him. Great guy. Like, try his stuff. Buy his, buy his product. It's great stuff. It'll sell in the lounge. I do my best to do that. But again retailers don't listen to me either because they don't give a shit. They know what sells in their lounge better than I do. So it is, it is hard for us to do what we do because the PCA doesn't allow us to do it. And I, I had this conversation with a PCA board member and I won't say who, but I said, uh, cause I had called the PCA and I said, Hey, we we're looking at doing like a bunker on the floor, like half wheel does. So we're not having to run back to a hotel room. We're not having to run to a, a plug at the front of the show outside. I go, it'd be great if there was a bullpen mm-hmm. for media and it was open to all media because I'm not spending $5,000 for a 10 by 10 fucking booth. Correct. And they're no, like, it, this goes back to what we've been talking about. He goes, that's a great idea. He's like, let me see what I can do. Yeah, but it hasn't happened. Every All the problems we really have go back to the very basics of we don't work together as an industry. I mean, if you want to, I don't want to pick on the PCA because they give their own time and their own money, but Consumer Day, you literally made an announcement to your members that you were going to decide to do a Consumer Day. You didn't ask any retailers except two, 
And you didn't ask any of the manufa- any of the manufacturers except two. No, what so again, just like your media, the issues you guys have that cause us to not like the media are caused because <clears> there's <throat> no structure that makes sense. Yeah. Look at the move to March. I guarantee you, March will be the busiest trade show we've had in 15 years. Yeah. Because I know where I live, they don't go in the summer because it's their busy season. But it took how long for them to adapt? 20 what, years? You know, it, it, this is when you ask me about the groups. Here's the weirdest question I have, because, I, again, I'm not a retailer and I'm not media. What communication do you get for being a member? Do they ask you anything? No. That's my point. There is a if survey you're really at a trade group. Yeah. Then you are going to ask the trade. What but they, they don't. They send out a survey and it's a I bullshit know. survey at the end of every trade show. Like, what did you like? What you didn't like? And nothing ever changes. And there's no representative in the PCA that advocates for media because media is a fucking afterthought because there were some bad seeds, some bad apples. And we'll talk yeah. about that. We're going to have we're going to have a, a cigar coupon and we're going to talk about media in the industry. We're going to talk about media at the trade show specifically. Uh, but I, you know, there were some bad seeds, some bad apples going around. Well, if you don't give us free cigars, we're going to give you. And I, I tell my guys, we go with the full crew. Do not ask for cigars. They'll give you cigars. I will, I will tell ask. you, we don't, that's not a problem anymore. They've at least the one thing that they have done well is the people that are there as media understand how to play the game the right way. That has been the biggest step in the right direction I've seen. Now I give the credit to the media, not necessarily to the organization, but they're starting to understand I mean, the rock, know your role. You know, they're, they're starting to understand <laughs> how to be part of it while it's going on without being an interference, which then makes you more popular, which makes you you know, every, the media has done a great job over the years. And you're right because of a couple of really bad scenes, it puts you guys back another two years, but I really think it, it's it again, everything is moving in the right direction. Everything in the, the show I make, it's out all negative. We are moving in the right direction in every aspect. We're just moving slow. But will we get there in time? No. That's the issue. No, because I don't mean in time that we're not going to fail. But as soon as we get to where we're supposed to be about issue one, the game changes three again. Issues, yeah. Three other issues have come up and now we forgot about those. But that's because we're in an, an industry that is working from behind since the beginning. We're, we're reactive. Under, we are reactive and not proactive. At, everything. I mean, we're understaffed as industries. I remember when Swisher came into Drew Estate, the number of people that they added at first, even we were going, what are you doing? Oh my God. They made all of our lives easier. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so we're moving in the right direction. We have very positive signs, little things that are showing you that we're going to make it through it. Okay. But like you said, as soon as we think we fixed one, Two more pop up. It's Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Just when you yes. think you know the answer, I've changed the question. That's yes. exactly what it is. Yes. <laughs> That's what well it is. said. Well That's... said. All right. So let's let's wrap this up. Zev, uh, what's next for you? What's next for Toscano? So Toscano, well, next for me is I mean, my, my goal is to, you know, stay with Toscano until I die. Of course, I do have one reputation now is I worked for Camacho and sold the Davidoff, which by the way, I was there after. I worked for <laughs> Drew Estate and sold the Swisher. I worked for a 110-year-old Agio. It's sold. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm at a 200-year-old company. Let's see if I can get them to sell now. Um, <laughs> it, one of the radio shows actually actually did a disclaimer to start. If you want to sell your cigar company, hire Zev. Hire Zev. And somebody offered me 25 grand, but they still haven't paid up. So, no, listen, <laughs> Toscano, number one, I love, I, love, I love the growth potential. I love, 
I love the challenges. I mean, it is fun to see that one person smoke and go, holy crap, I actually like this. You know, they, they really treated me well. They, they went above and beyond what they needed to. Uh, Toscano, you know, we're going to keep plugging along this year at the show. We're going to release the um, Master Master 4, um, which I won't get into any more details. It'll be our fourth of our premium line. We're also doing the blending seminar, the first one, which that is a big one for us to get the yeah. retailer to understand what these are. I mean, even when you look at this cigar, you can take this to our factory in Italy and the rollers can tell you which roller rolled it just based on where the curve is and how it's done because they've been doing it for five generations. So really for Toscano, it is just, you know, it's education. It's, you know, you know we're, we're working on how do we, how do we interact with the consumer? You know, we have to get our social media going a little bit better to give the, the but that's, I mean, think of us as no matter how big and how long we've been around, think of us as a second year company. That's really what we are right now. Wow. There you go. Uh, Zav Kamenetsky, thank you so much, Zav. I appreciate it. Uh, a wealth of knowledge. And I love your 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 frankness. We're definitely going to have you back on because there's not a lot of people in the industry that are that are as frank as you are. I remember Nick Melillo came the closest, I think, to to saying what you said today, where he said, the cigar industry is like a poker table in the old west. Above above the table, everyone's having a drink, playing poker, having a good time. Yes. And under the table, everybody has their guns drawn. Oh, Nick, Nick's got some stories for you. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know. I've been trying to get him out of him, and he's like, no, no, not going to tell you. Uh, so, Zev, thank you so much. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, Nick, uh, you know, in a yes. week, we're going to be with uh, Tim doing Clear the Air, where we're going to try to unpack everything we just talked about with Zev. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait for Tim to come up with stupid questions about this and ruin <laughs> everything that we talked about today. Who is Tim and why is he ruining what I said? No, well, I'll introduce you. Uh, we'll be at the trade show and I'll bring Tim by and you can, uh, you can ask him that. Cause I ask him that all the time and he just, he doesn't have an answer. Oh, I will. <laughs> Zev, thanks for coming on, man. No, thanks for having it. me. My pleasure. It was fun. No, it was fun. I appreciate it. Uh, so Nick, we'll see you, uh, in a week. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble, hit the like button. Uh, go check us out on Instagram uh, and Facebook. It's just simply Stogie's podcast. Uh, give us a like and a follow there. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, wherever the hell you're listening to this, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, wherever. Uh, you know, hit like, hit subscribe. Give us, a, give us a rating, even if you think it's a one star. Give us one star because as we t discussed today, ratings are kind of bullshit anyway. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, that's, uh, you know, let me, uh, let me, uh, hit the button here so we can, uh, get out of here the right way. Cause, uh, if nothing, if not professional, uh, that is Nick, that's Zev. I'm James. Stay smoky friends. There we go. We're out. We're clear. <laughs>